Amen. 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 So thank you guys so much for um, paying attention to all of those announcements. I hope you had an amazing day. I hope you had a wonderful Wednesday. I'm not going to be before you long, or at least I don't plan on being here before you very long, but we're going to get into this word. And I was just telling Pastor Edwin, we're not starting a new word. This is um, very familiar scripture that we're going to be talking about tonight, but I think it's one of those things that sometimes we need to hear. We need a refresher um, with some of the word that we've heard before, because God wants to continue to keep us um, and show us new things about the word. So tonight we're going to be talking about our hearts. And so tonight our topic is check your soil. We're going to be talking about the condition of our heart and is it prepared and is it ready for us to produce a harvest with the word of God that God has given us because this, the word of God is, is good. It's a, it's a seed. It's incorruptible. It is powerful. It is has the ability to change our lives, but it does matter how and where we plant that seed. Amen. And our, our souls, our hearts, our, our, um, our hearts are the soil. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. We're going to pray before we get started. Father God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the anointing. We ask, Father God, that you would just begin to speak through this word, God, even as I am speaking. I ask Holy Spirit to continue to minister to people individually about their individual lives, um, give wisdom, insight, revelation. And we pray, God, that you, uh, for a breakthrough anointing, understanding, clarity and wisdom as the word goes forth. And we thank you for it now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So, all right, let's get started. If you are at your house and you want to go grab your Bibles, you can. I'm going to, we're actually going to kind of camp out in Matthew the 13th chapter. We're not going to be skipping around a lot tonight. We're going to stay right here with Matthew the 13th chapter. Um, and we're going to dig into learning about the conditions of our soul. Amen. Or our heart. Amen. All right. So the first thing is turn to Matthew 13th chapter, and we're going to start with verse three. And it says, then they spoke many things to them in parables. Behold, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Now we're going to jump to Matthew, same, same chapter, Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 18th verse. And we're going to get right into that. It says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They say, hallelujah. Yet it has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, that is very important. Go ahead and put that in the comments. Say, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the word on good ground, it is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some 60 and some 30. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this, right? Let's, let's explore this word of God. So it says, so before we explore this, we have to establish what the seed is. When we're talking about he sows the seed or the sower sows, sows the seed, what is it talking about? Well, if you look at this same account in the gospel of Mark, it is the same parable, but it's in the book of Mark. It says that the sower sows the word. So go ahead and put that in the comments. The sower sows the word. So the word of God is the seed or the seed is the word, however you want to say it. Uh, so we can then establish that the seed is always good. Sometimes in life, when we're talking natural forming, you may have a seed that isn't as great. But when you're talking about the word of God, the seed is always good. So it's never 
the issue with the word. The issue is never with the word. Can we put that? The issue is never the word. If you have an issue, it is never with the word. The word of God is incorruptible. It is perfect. It is powerful. The issue is never with the word. So if it's never with the word, we have to look at what kind of soil that that seed is planted in. So we have to look at the conditions of the soil. Is it planted the right place and the right timing in order for us to get a harvest on in our lives? So the parable tells us that there are different types of soil. So we're today we're going to talk about those different types of soil. And if you recognize yourself in that, you can go ahead and say, I've been that type of soil. You know, if you see that or hear yourself, go ahead and recognize and call yourself out because we're going to work, make sure that by the end, we are all working to make sure that we are good ground. Amen. So the first type of soil, it says is the wayside soil, the wayside soil. This is the person who hears the word, but does not understand it. This person hears the word, they don't understand it. So immediately it's snatched up. This is a person who hears the word of God and immediately says, that doesn't make sense to me. So they shut down. They, you hear someone say, you should tithe. And you say, it doesn't make any sense to me that I would give 10% when I already don't have enough. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to even listen to the rest of this. You hear something, you go, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't align with what, what I can see in the natural. So immediately you dismiss um, your opportunity to grab a hold of that word, to meditate on that word and to solidify that word in your heart. So again, you shut down at the opportunity. And so when you shut down, it gives or it doesn't give that word an opportunity to take root in your life. If the pastor says um, you can make a certain amount of money, pastor says we can make $100,000 each. Um, if your brain says that doesn't make any sense because I don't have a degree, you immediately shut down the opportunity for that word to take root in your life. So when you shut down, the word doesn't have an opportunity to grow deep and to begin to manifest and to produce a harvest in your life. So um, it says you get a word that you can win souls and you immediately say, I don't have the for that. That's not for me. That must be for Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris is the soul winner, but they're telling you these are words of God that he has plant, planted in us. But because we don't see or understand it immediately, we dismiss it as a possibility in our lives. This is the wayside soil. And it, does, uh, it doesn't even give the opportunity to grow. It dismisses the possibility of success uh, because of the fear of failure or the fear of disappointment. So we don't want to even take hold of that because we don't see how it's going to happen. And we're afraid if we start believing it, we're going to get disappointed. So automatically we say, I, I want to avoid disappointment at all costs. So we set aside um, the opportunity for that to grow because we dismiss the word of God. Now, this group says this is just uh, too much for my life and they won't accept uh, the word that comes, but what they will accept is whatever the world throws at them. They just go, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I, they don't have a lot of fight in them. They just accept it because they haven't allowed. They don't stretch to see what's possible um, because they have dismissed the possibility of the word of God manifesting in their life. So if, if you know you are one of those people, you say, I can hear the word sometimes. And I get a little frustrated and I immediately say, that can't be for me. That can't be for me. You are in that category of wayside soil. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to stay there. Your heart doesn't have to stay in that condition where you're dismissing the word of God. Um, anytime you can see, hear, and understand the word of God, you can actually change and be converted. Amen. So go ahead and say, I don't want to be wayside soil. The second type of soil we have is stony soil. Now, this is the person who hears the word. They get excited about the word. But again, they didn't spend enough time building that root system. So they get excited. They may even see manifestation of the word of God. They get excited. They start to see a little bit. They say, oh, that's the blade. Things start to happen. They get excited. They're testifying on social media. They're telling people about how good God is. They're really excited about it. But then life starts to happen. And when life starts to happen, they get really discouraged, right? Because it's only based mostly on emotion. Um, and the root system is not good enough or strong enough to sustain when the winds and the tribulations of life happen. This person is believing God for a job. God tells them that he has a better job for them. They get excited. They update their resume. They go and they start applying for new jobs. They get an interview. And when they don't get the job, they get discouraged. They get discouraged because they said, I did it. It looked like it was working, but nothing ever works out for me. So they go back to um, that 
that that negative self-talk. They go back to that that bad way of thinking. Right. Um, this is also the people they believe God for something. And if it happens, they start to see it. And when it goes up, they get offended with God. They stop believing God because of the tough times. This is a matter of a person saying, I believed you and now I'm disappointed. And of course, we don't like that. So this person believes God for moments. But this is a result of believing God is a genie. This type of soil comes when we believe God is a genie and we ask God for something and we believe God is supposed to give it to us automatically. We believe God is supposed to give it and manifest it quickly. And we believe that God is supposed to block us from experiencing life circumstances. We believe that angels, God, some heavenly being is supposed to insulate our lives to such a degree that we don't ever experience hardships. That's just not the way it works. OK, that's not the way it works. And so um, because you don't actually spend enough time in the word to read that many are the afflictions of the righteous. You you know, you're surprised when tough times come. But you also have to read enough to say as many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it also says, but the Lord delivers them. So if you don't read your word, you don't know the Lord delivers them. If you don't read your word, you don't know that the afflictions are going to come and you get offended when the afflictions come. In fact, you get hot. I don't know how many. Many times you have someone and they are believing God for something. And when it doesn't happen, they get totally angry with God. They get angry with the system. How could God let this happen to me? Afflictions are going to come. Life is going to happen. It's going to rain on the good, the bad, the just, the unjust. We have to know that, but we have to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Uh, many people give up during these hard times. And again, they get angry when they don't see what they prayed for. They blame God. They blame others. But it was the same word that you once shouted on that is now offensive to you. The same word. Literally, I have talked to people and they said, God is good all the time. God is amazing. God is great. But then when life starts happening, they say, I don't know if God is good, because if God was good, how could a good God do this? And how could you begin to question why? Because you have not sit in the presence of God long enough and had enough experiences with that good God to know that even when bad things happen, God is still good. Amen. So the scripture says uh, the scripture says he endures for a little while, which shows that he's not wayward. Because the way where people don't believe it at all, they endure for a little while, but they've not developed a deep enough root system to, to sustain long term. They thought that because things were going pretty well, they have they had to remember that that when life happens, it, it doesn't mean that God changed his mind. Now, can you remember if your parents ever told you to study and you studied for just a few minutes and then they said, you, you know, you came to them and you said, I'm ready. I'm ready for the test. You're studying maybe your spelling words, your multiplication facts or whatever. And you've been studying or what you call studying basically is kind of scanning over the, the information. And they say, well, OK, well, come on, let's take a test. You missed the first question. And they say, go back. You hadn't studied. You said, I did study the word. I did. or I did study my, my multiplication facts. OK, what's three times three? Three times six. Nope. go back and study. What happens is we believe. We know it because we scanned it. We believe we have a deep root system because we came and we uh, sat under a teaching one, one Wednesday night, one Sunday morning. We got that word and it was so good to us. We believe we have really good root. You ever taken a test or you're doing homework with the teacher and when you get home, you're like, now I, I understood this <laughs> when I was doing it with my teacher. I understood this, but I don't understand this now that I'm by myself, that's why you have to go home with it. You have to study. You have to do multiple uh, examples. You have to go through and study that thing until you understand it front and back. Because if you don't, when the test actually comes, you will be so lost. You'll be so confused and you will be angry because in your mind, you did study. That scanning the word of God, uh, listening to one message, coming to church once a week, getting a word of inspiration, that is not going to anchor you. You have to spend time in the word of God. Um, when you scan the material, you didn't develop a deep understanding so that you could apply that knowledge in various situations. And then you got upset with your parents when they tried to test you because it exposed your lack of knowledge. You get mad at the exposure but really, when you expose the lack of knowledge, what that does is says you now is the time for you to go back now while I'm exposing something that you don't know. So you can go back when the real test of life come. You can have this thing mastered. 
Um, so it, my, my daughter took Taekwondo or my daughter currently takes Taekwondo. Right. And it's so funny because she believes she can take people like her little 50 pound self. She really believes that she can can overtake somebody. In fact, she was telling me about an active shooter drill that they were having at school. And she said, this is what we have to do if someone comes in and all of that stuff. And she said, I told one of my friends who also takes Taekwondo, she said, if they come in here, so-and-so can distract them and we can jump in from the other side and take them. I said, no, 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 baby. No, 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 no. (laughs) Because what happens is you think you've got mastery because you've taken a few classes, you think you've got mastery because you have practiced a little bit, but you have not mastered um, the level of skill that you need if someone were to actually attack. And that's what happens in the word of God. We come and we go to a few services and we think we have mastery, but we've not sat in the presence of God. We have not um, got in the scripture and studied and, and went back and said, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't. And here's the thing, when I'm when Brielle likes to wrestle at the house, when we are wrestling and I come at her a way that she's not prepared, she will say, no, 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 mommy, you can't come at me like that. And I'll laugh at her. And I say, you can't tell me how I can attack you if we're wrestling. She'll say, but I, I don't, I don't know how to, how to, she doesn't know how to defend against certain attacks. So she's telling me this is the only way that you can attack me. Well, here's the problem with that. Life doesn't come at you just one way and they go, you know, the devil doesn't sit back and say, you know, she has a defense for fornication. So that's the only thing we're going to tempt her with. They go, Mm-mm. we're going to attempt with fornication. If we don't get it with fornication, we're going to get it with lust. If we don't get them with lust, we're going to get them with gluttony. If we can't get them with gluttony, we'll get them with this. We'll get Life doesn't just stick to a certain script. And so that's why you have to be so anchored in in the word of God, and you have to be so full of Holy Spirit so you can figure out in the moment, you can hear Holy Spirit say, go left, go right, go do all of these things, because you can't be like Brielle out there thinking you can take on uh, this big warfare. In reality, the, the life is going to throw you against the wall, and and, and, and you're going to be angry figuring out why, what is it that I don't know. If you don't spend enough time getting in that word, uh, building that root system when it comes, I'm telling you, you're going to be so disappointed and so confused as to why you're in that situation. And it really does come because we didn't spend enough time building that root system. Many adults also believe that we can dictate how life comes and how trials come. But if we don't um, study the word, it's going to beat us every time. This is why Fellowship of Champions, we push Studying your word daily, not just when attacks come, because it is the daily time with God that we develop the root system that allows us to withstand attacks coming from various directions and in various forms. If you ever watch sports, it doesn't matter when a skilled player is playing. It doesn't really matter what defense they throw. They look at the defense and immediately know what what's the best offense to, to do to get around that defense. If if you are, let's think, take basketball, for example, if you are taking someone and if your point guard is good and they know what they're doing, if they go to man, they know how to run a specific uh, play to, to defeat man. If they go to a zone, they know how to defeat a zone because they are aware and they are their IQ in basketball is high enough. If your spiritual IQ is is not high enough. They can beat you every time. If they know that a zone beats you, all they have to do is to get in the zone. If they know that man will, will lock you down, all they have to do is get a man. But if you have a high enough IQ, when you see that coming, you automatically know how to defeat it because of the Holy Spirit in you is directing and guiding you and coaching you along the way. Okay. So that was the uh, the stony ground. Let's look at the thorny, the thorny soil, the thorny soil. I'm sorry. Uh, there is a person, this is a person who hears the word, but gets distracted with the cares of life. So they get distracted with taking care of things. You know, it could be maybe you're, you prayed for a child and that child now consumes your whole life. You don't have time for the word because you got a new baby and new babies take up all your time. You got a new job. You just got married. All of these things are great things. We believe God for them. But now they're taking up all of our life. Maybe you got that new promotion you were believing God for and you're so excited about that promotion and you get so caught up in uh, operating in excellence at work that you start missing, not just missing church, but you don't go back and you don't spend time with that word. You don't go back and you don't meditate on that word. You, You just get caught up in life and life starts coming at you fast. And it's not even bad things. You're not angry. You're not offended. You're just busy. I'm just too busy for the word of God. And what happens though, is that we get so caught up in 
uh, life in that way of making it happen. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I got to take another vacation. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. We neglect the word of God. It also says under the thorny ground that it says you get caught up in the deceitfulness of riches. What is that? That's when you begin to trust in money as your God. Pastor Strickland teaches us all the time that that money is an excellent tool, but it is a bad or poor God. Many times we begin to believe that all we need is more money. All we need is more money because money is going to solve it for us. And there are definitely some things that money answers for us. Right. The Bible even talks about that. There are things that we can utilize money for, but it is supposed to be a tool for us. It is supposed to be our servant, not the other around. We are never supposed to serve money. Money is supposed to be a tool for us to advance the kingdom of God. So we're looking at all of these different types of soil. The next type of soil is called good soil or good ground. This next soil is good ground. This is the person who hears the word. They spend time with God getting an understanding of that word and they water that word and give it sunlight. And as a result, um, they get to live from the fruit of that seed. They get to live from the fruit of that seed. They receive a harvest from that word. So then you when you when things start to struggle, they step into the sunlight rather than than isolating. Right. And so it says that we water that seed with obedience. We water that seed with obedience. I'm going to say that one more time. We water that seed with obedience. We learn self-awareness. We water that seed with prayer. We use sunlight. Um, the sunlight of accountability and community. So when we are struggling, we don't step out of that sunlight. We step into accountability. We step into that area and we stop isolating because the seed needs the sunlight, which is accountability and community to grow. So listen, you can have good seed and not produce if you don't give it the right conditions. You got to have good soil and you need to have some praise, some worship. You need to have obedience. You have to have some sunlight of accountability and community. All of these things make those things great. You don't just plant the seed and go off and leave it. You have to, to take care of it. Any good farmer, and I don't claim to be a great farmer, but any good farmer will tell you they don't just have a time where they go and plant and then they don't take care of it, the harvest as it is being, as it is growing through that stage. Because there are times when you don't see anything growing, but you still have to take care of the soil. You still have to water the soil, even though you may not see anything growing on the top. You still have to make sure that you're giving the right sunlight. You're still you still have to make sure that you're you're um, making sure that there is not bugs that's coming up, uh, taking away and eating at the baby seedlings. Why? What are some of those bugs that? Bugs can be literally anything. It can be us getting distracted. It could be bugs, bugs of sideshow distractions of any of those things. You have to take care of all of that to make sure you receive a good harvest. So the soil that we possess is based on the stories we tell and believe about ourselves and God. I'm going to say that again. The soil that we possess and our lives is based on the stories that we tell and believe about ourselves and about our God. Psychologically, our lives are shaped by the stories we tell and believe. Psychologically, our lives are shaped by the stories we tell and believe. We often tell stories and create an identity based on a story. Now, this is important. We often uh, tell stories and create identities based on the stories we tell. Your story is either solidifying you as a victim or your story is empowering you as a victor. Your story is either solidifying you as a victim or empowering you as a victor. People have experienced all types of uh, experiences, positive experiences, traumatic experiences, um, boring experiences, demeaning, inspiring. We have, all of us have ups and downs in life. It's not so much of what happens to us. It's the story we tell ourselves about what happened to us. We create the story or the narrative um, about that experience, and that shapes how we go through life for the rest of our life. What does, what does your story say to you? So, for example, people get divorced all the time. People lose loved ones all the time. Now, these are not good things. These are not happy events in lives. For the most part, um, people get abused often. Um, these stories are all, they can be very negative. They, these things happen. 
but it's not the negative thing that happens that dictates how you how you survive in life. It's how you relate to those negative things and the story and the interpretation of those events in your life. Your story can keep you stuck in a wide open field. Now think about that. Your story can keep you stuck in a wide open field. There are a uh, there's someone you know if if you have a situation where you were cheated on or you have a situation where you were abused or neglected by a parent or something like that you can you can get stuck because you have now attached their behavior to your worth so you say i'm not worth so and so i'm not worth they they broke up with me over text message so i'm not even worth the conversation they broke up with me and didn't they ghost my friends ghosted me so i'm not worthy of of a, a actual breakup and no that's the story you're telling yourself you're telling yourself that you're not worthy. That story has to be shifted and changed because that's not the truth of the re, uh, of your life. There are people who are adults who are still blaming their parents for everything in their life that's gone wrong. They might be 53 and they're still talking about what they didn't get when they were 13. At some point, we have to say that happened to me, but it does not have to define me. Even though something happened to me, it does not have to define who I am. So I'm going to give an example. So we have a single parent who works a lot um, so they can make sure that they can provide for their kids, right, or their children to be able to do anything. So this parent is working because they work so much, they're not able to attend uh, their child's sporting events. So you have the kids, parents working or mom, dad, whoever, they're not able to attend the uh, child's sporting events. The story the child tells determines how they respond. If they tell the story from a defeated perspective, um, then they approach life from a de defeated perspective. So here's the story. My mom doesn't even bother to take off from work to see me play. Why should anybody else care if your own mom won't come to support you? I honestly don't even think I can count on anybody because my own family won't even come and take. I'm, I'm out here winning championships for my team and my own mama can't come and support me. I'm just going to quit the team. I'm just going to quit. Why try? Because I don't have support from friends and family. That's one way we can tell the same story. Another way you can tell that story is mom is make, working so hard to make sure that I have the opportunity to play these sports. Mom is working so hard to make sure that I can afford to, to get the uniforms and to travel on the team and do what I need to do. So I'm going to go up and I'm going to show up the best I can. I'm going to give this my best effort. Why? Because I see the sacrifices that she made. And one day I want to be able to say, I appreciate those sacrifices. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to give it my all. That person may go on to get a scholarship, um, being able to help their parents financially. Because why? Because they took the same situation situation, the story they assigned or the meaning that they assigned to it was, hey, this is an opportunity to propel me. This is an opportunity to motivate me where someone else took the exact same situation and they used that as an opportunity to stay stuck. Go ahead and put that in there. I don't have to stay stuck. So the stories you tell about who you are, what you can do, who God is and what God can do, um, it affects what you expect and, and it affects your reality, your reality, not the reality. It affects your reality um, when you're going through life. The story, here's the other thing. The story can be fictional or non-fictional. Just because you tell the story don't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's the way it actually happened in, in real life, right? Um, your story is going to either propel you forward or it's going to keep you stuck. I can tell you firsthand as a counselor, just as a human being, um, many people will fight to hold on to a story that is no longer serving them. They will fight to hold on to a story. So I have talked to people and they will say, I can't do that because I got divorced or because I'm divorced. And if you talk to them long enough, you go, well, when did you get divorced? Because it sounds like it was like just three or four months ago. And you go, they, I've been divorced for 15 years. I've been divorced for 20 years. You go, so so tw for 20 years, you haven't had to deal with that behavior, but you're still blaming your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your mother, your father, because you're stuck in a story that may not be your current reality. Go ahead and put that. It's time for me to release the bad story. Um, so again, you're fighting to hold on to a story, even though you've never um 
never really even explored if the story is accurate and if your identity that you've shaped is is a true representation of who God called you to be. Um, so what story do you need to release? You need to ask yourself, what story do I need to release? Okay, so let's go through and talk about um, the stories you may tell yourself based on the kind of soil you have. So if you are wayside soil, you will tell yourself stories like, God can't do that because he, he's a hard taskmaster and he's unstable and, and God can help some people, but sometimes he hurts people. You may tell, you know, you tell stories. How, how do we know you're wayside? Because you don't have a good understanding of who God is. You believe God may cause cancer. You believe God may, may strike somebody down because he got mad at them. You believe God is just out here being real reckless with, with other people's lives. You don't believe he's a good God. We know that because of what you say and what you believe. Um, but you're going to tell yourself stories like I can't do that because God, God got me in this holding pattern, showing us that you don't uh, have a real relationship and understanding of God. You may tell your stories based on your lack of confidence in you. You discredit yourself for various reasons. You tell stories of how you can't do something because of your age, your job, your race, gender, geographical location. I mean, I can't do that because I'm from Arkansas. I can't do that because I'm from this place. I, but watch this. God can use you wherever you are. Pastor Shine often shares that one of the things that God has shown her and is continuing to show her is that you can do amazing things right there from Arkansas. And so don't let that thing be the thing that keeps you where, where you're from, your gender, your race, your, your socioeconomic status, your education. These are wayside stories because you don't even give yourself the opportunity to believe God because you're so stuck. In, um, in 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 dismissing what God has for you. Now, if you are have stony soil, you tell yourself stories like, "I was so close to getting the house, but right before my closing, my sister got sick, and I had to take care of her." <laughs> what? I was about to close on my house, and my sister got sick. And since Mama already gone, I'm the only one in the whole wide world that can take care of my sister. So I have to have to do this. And life happened, and I can't go forth and continue to believe God, even though He said I could have the house, even though God gave me the promise. I now get discouraged, and I let life get me off of my my track, off of my focus. And now I've given up the word because I'm focused on the bad things that have happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm blaming my sister. You tell a story of how you had a good job and your family was going well until, you know, a loved one passed away and you get offended with God and you start to question whether or not he is good. You tell yourself you can't count on God because you believe that your loved one would make it and they didn't. So you stop believing God. If you know that's you, go ahead and say, mm, I don't want to be that stony soil. I don't want to be that stony soil. Um, if you have a thorny soil, you tell yourselves you're, you're just too busy to spend all that time with God. You're too busy. You have to live life um, according to what, what God has blessed you with. So your focus, is, again, is so so much on that. So you say, God knows I know the word. I've studied. I've heard these stories before. I, I've heard this parable of the sower. I don't need to go back and listen to that on, on refresh. I know the story of the parable of the sower. I don't have to listen to that. Why? Because you think you got it and you, you, you've you distracted and allowed life to come in and you're you're not paying attention. But if you have good soil, the thing you tell yourself is, I have good soil. So I visualize the word. I spend time getting instruction concerning that word. I obey the instructions. And when tough times come, um, I keep my faith on the field and I hold on to the word. I speak words full of faith, full of confidence that God is well able to do what he promised. OK, and so our life, our talk is going to look and sound very different based on what uh, what kind of soil we have. So you tell yourself stories just like uh, just because the job or the relationship didn't work out, you know that something's better for you. If you have good soil, even when disappointments come, you still believe God has something better for you. You stay consistent and you don't give in or you don't give up because of the first sign of disappointment. So let's talk about um, how to release a disempowering story. Let's talk about that. How do you release your pitiful story? And, and I, I know some people um, may not even recognize that their story is pitiful. <laughs> they may not recognize it. So tonight we're going to talk about, uh, Kim, we love you too with Fellowship of Champions. 
we're going to talk about how to recognize a pitiful story and how we can release those stories. The first thing to do is to recognize that it's not helping you, right? So you have to recognize your story is not helping you. Well, how do you recognize that your story isn't helping you? You ask yourself some questions about the story you keep telling yourself. Ask yourself, when I tell this story, do I feel pitiful or do I feel powerful? When I share about the divorce, do I feel pitiful or do I feel powerful? When I share about how my mom did this to me, do I feel pitiful or do I feel powerful? When I share about how uh, my job let me go after I helped them get, get over the hump during the pandemic, do I feel pitiful or do I feel powerful? Do I feel pitiful when I talk about how my kids, I, I gave my whole life for them and now they won't even talk to me? Does that make me feel good or does that make me feel bad? Do I feel hopeful or do I feel hopeless? Do I uh, feel energized or do I feel drained and depleted after I share this story, right? So you have to ask yourself these questions. Is this a powerful story or is this a pitiful story? The next thing you have to ask yourself is, is this story moving me any closer to my divine destiny? Is this story moving me any closer to my divine destiny? What do I mean? Every time I tell the story about how I can't go back to school because the last time I went to school, my roommate did me dirty. That was 20 years ago. Is that story getting me any closer to re-enrolling in school? Is that story getting me any closer to getting back into the program that I need to do so I can manifest what God called me to manifest in the earth? Is the story moving me forward? Is it propelling me or is it keeping my feet stuck? Uh, yes, yes, Courtney. Am I operating in faith or am I operating in my feelings? Um, we have got to be able to identify if these stories are moving us forward, if they are limiting beliefs, if they are um, things that keep us stuck or if they are things that are propelling us into destiny moments. The next thing you have to ask yourself is, and I love this one, is the story even accurate? Are you even telling the truth about this story? Because I've heard people talk and the story that they are telling themselves is not even what happened. It's not even what happened, but you've rehearsed the story incorrectly for so long. You convinced yourself you had a horrible childhood. In reality, maybe your parents were just strict. You've convinced yourself of some things that, that aren't even historically accurate when you go back and recalculate. So here's an example. You remember that your grandmother... Um, was so mean to you. And you said, grandma treated my sister better than me. And I remember the story from when I was six years old and I asked grandma, could I have a cookie? And she said, no, go to bed. But then my sister came in and she said, can I have a cookie? And grandma said, yes, you can have a cookie. What you don't remember is that you had already had three cookies. What you don't remember is that your sister hadn't had any cookies. So when your grandma said go to bed, she had already told you it was 830. Your bedtime was eight o'clock. She had told you at eight o'clock to go to bed. You were still up. You were being disobedient. You don't remember any of that. All you remember is the part that grandma gave my sister something. She didn't give me something. And so all your life, you have walked around with this rejection spirit. Yes, Chris, leave granny alone. Leave her alone. You walked around saying I wasn't good enough. I was the black sheep of the family. My family didn't treat me right. You're going around with a story that is not even an accurate story. If you go back and you say, grandma, why didn't you give me the cookie? And grandma can actually share some light on that thing. And grandma can say, boy, because I told you. <laughs> to go to bed at eight o'clock and it was 8 45 and you were still walking around talking about your cookie and your sister hadn't got a cookie and you had already eaten three of them and two of them were hers so this is what i'm trying to get you to understand that sometimes we are holding on to a truth in our brain because people talk about you know share your truth sometimes your truth is actually a lie okay can i just sometimes your truth is actually not the truth. And if we're not, you know, we can ask Holy Spirit because we don't always know. Sometimes, heck, we're not even trying to lie. Sometimes our memory just simply because of the different perspectives, our memory begins to get things uh, a little bit fuzzy. Right. And so you have to say, Holy Spirit, if I'm holding on to something that's not accurate, if I'm holding on to a lie that's keeping me stuck, Help me to see that, reveal that truth to me so that I can move forward because we don't have to get stuck in a lie calling it the truth. Amen. Amen. So, again, that some of that stuff sounds super simple. But if we don't take uh, if we're not mindful of it, we will stay stuck and not even realize uh, 
why and how we stayed stuck for so long. The next step to releasing your pitiful story is identify how you can reframe that story. Identify how you can reframe that story. Maybe your parents didn't come to your games, but thankfully they made sure I was able to get to my games and I had what I needed to go to the game. The reframing is from I wasn't supported to they supported me in a way that allowed me to get to my game. Uh, maybe I was re abused or re rejected, but thankfully I'm going to reframe it to saying I'm no longer stuck in that relationship. So I remember one time going to God talking about this relationship and I was I was literally uh, recounting all of the ways that this person hurt me in the relationship. I was like, and God, they did this and I felt so alone and rejected. And God, they did. I mean, I was going through the list of all the times and things that this person did to hurt me and and how I felt so, uh, so abandoned and so lost and blah, blah, blah. And God said it was real clear, like super clear. God said well, aren't you happy I got you out of that? And I was like, well, I guess I'll shut up now because I'm not in that situation. And honestly, I haven't even been in that situation in a really long time, but I'm sitting here in my bed years later, crying over a situation I'm not even in. Some of us are, and I said it earlier, some of us are stuck in a wide open field. We're not even in that situation anymore. You're not 13 anymore. You're not five anymore. You're not 20 anymore. God has delivered us, but we're so stuck on getting validation from a bad experience that we will stay there when God has said the door has been open. Y'all remember that old, old song where it say, look, birdie, you're free because I paid the price. I don't remember. It was James Cleveland or somebody old. But, but the story is true. We stay stuck in a cage. We are staying stuck in a cage when God has already set us free. And we're stuck on a situation that God says, if you will walk out, you can receive your freedom. Hallelujah. So uh, another way we can reframe when you start comparing yourself, um, Maybe I'm, I'm not as talented as that person in that certain area, but I can maximize what I have. We are taking a, a challenge right now about uh, how you can raise money and, and learning the ways that God has given us to empower ourselves financially. And there are people that will say, I don't have anything I can do. And there are other people that say, well, I can't do so and so, but I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And the people that say I can do this are making money. And the people that say I, I can't do it like this. I can't do it like that person. Guess what? They're stuck. And we don't want to be stuck. God wants us to recognize that our stories are causing us to to stay stuck when he has already set us free. Here's the last step when you want to release that pitiful story. Call yourself out when you hear yourself retelling that narrative. Call yourself out and give other people in your community permission to call you out and say, you're doing it again. You do, you tell it, at, Chris, at, at, you're doing it again. You're telling that story again. You're not stuck. You're not five. Nope. You're not 13. Well, I, I would love again, but I was hurt one time in second grade because this, uh-uh, you're not there anymore. You graduated high school. You got a college degree. My third grade teacher said I wasn't going to be anything. Guess what? You made it through fourth grade. You got out of there. You don't stay stuck. So you have to be give yourself permission to call yourself out uh, when you are telling that story. Now, I want to pause here and say, I'm not telling us that we cannot process our experiences. I am not saying we cannot process our experiences. How do you know if you are processing an experience or if you're stuck just regurgitating the same story? Um, when you are processing a story, you're processing it and you say you're telling the story and you are learning from it. You are growing from it and you are healing from it. When we process our emotions and when we process a story, uh, what we're doing is we learn to understand, to make sense of it and to deal with the emotions in a healthy, productive way. So if you're telling the story and you are not gaining understanding, you are not gaining uh a sense of how to deal with it in a healthy way, you're not processing, you're just rehashing. Rehashing will keep you stuck. Processing helps you heal. What do I mean? Processing says, for a long time, I thought the abuse was my fault. But I recognize that that person abused me because they were sick, not because I was damaged. Do you understand? Can you see the difference in that? Processing says, I recognize that it was not my fault 
that that my father left me because my father's ability to walk out on his children indicates he had an issue and not me. Now, what is regurgitating or re just rehashing? Rehashing is I can't do nothing because daddy left us when we were five. I can't do anything because because I, I didn't ever know what it was like to have a good father in my life. Though you've had multiple male mentors who stepped up and played a positive role in your life, you forget that because all you're doing is rehashing that negative story. You don't want to stay stuck. If you process the story, you are actually moving towards healing, whereas rehashing the story is keeping you stuck in the muck, okay? So we wanna make sure that we're moving forward. Don't allow your story to taint your soil. Don't allow your story to taint your soil because your environment is, is um, so important to that seed. The seed that is planted is so important to, uh, I'm sorry, the soil is so important to that seed that it impacts the harvest. If your soil is tainted by the story you are telling yourself, then it will affect the harvest. Even the good soil um, has to be taken care of. It has to be nurtured, right? And so you want to make sure that you are not telling a pitiful story that's keeping you uh, in this place where you can't have uh, the harvest that God has promised. If you go back and think about the uh, the the guiding word that we have for this year, what has happened is he says, don't let go of the word that you've heard because it, it literally it tells us how to be good soil. It says, don't let go of the word you've heard because you're going to have an opportunity to to be stony ground. You're going to hear some things in the next six months that could shake you and give you the opportunity to stop. But the word of God came and said, don't allow those stories to taint your soil. Don't say, I can't prosper in this economy. I can't prosper because of what, what um, this president did or what that president didn't do. And if they would have just forgiven my student loans, I could have done this. Nope, you stay true to what God said and allow, hold on to that word that God has already given us. Why? Because he already has good things prepared for us. There are gates already open for us. We have to hold on to that word and don't allow that word to fall along the wayside because you don't see how it's going to manifest. Don't allow that word to get choked out by the cares of life. Don't allow your soil to be hard and stony because of the trials of life. Believe the word of God and watch. Yes, it says, believe my word and watch as great ease shall come over you as you trust in me. Let me walk with you. This is good. God says, it's the ease for me. Okay. It's the ease for me. Because here's the thing, what we believe is that the ease means there is no, no tilling of the soil. We believe the ease means we don't have to do anything but sit back. We believe, but the, the work is, and it's, it's in Romans where it talks about we have to labor to enter into the rest of God. When you labor, what is that? The labor says, I'm studying the word of God. The labor is I'm killing my flesh so that I, I can do what I need to do. The labor is doing what needs to be done so that I can hold tight to this word. But once I hold tight to the word and I've done that, the easiest, I don't have to make that seed sprout up. The, listen, the sun doesn't come down and snatch something out of that, that seed. The sun simply shines and the seed begins to do what it does. That's the ease. All we have to do is, is hold on to the word of God and all of the rest of the environmental factors. God is going to do what he's going to do. God is going to bring the harvest. God is going to bring the increase. We just have to make sure that our soil is good because the seed is incorruptible. The seed is good. So if you get the good seed with the good soil and you put it in the right conditions, you will receive a great harvest. Amen. Amen. That's all I got. Um, I am just so thankful for this opportunity to share. I pray that this blessed you. I pray that um, you were, were touched and you recognize some things about yourself. And if you are in this situation where you say, you know what, I need to go back and, and check my heart. I need to check my the conditions of the soil. It's okay to go back if you recognize that you have some stony soil somewhere, because the thing is, in one part of your life, you may be good ground and another part, you may have some stony part. Hey, 
We're not beating you up. We're not doing any of that. What we want you to do is to say this part where it's stony, I'm going to get in there and get this get in this word so I can develop a stronger root system. This part where it's uh, thorny, I'm going to get in there and I'm not going to be distracted by the cares of life. I'm going to make sure that I have good soil so that I can receive the harvest and I can manifest the destiny that God created me to manifest. Amen. All right. I believe this was good word. It was good to me. I hope it was good for y'all. Um, if you want to sow into this word and sow into this ministry, we believe that Fellowship of Champions is also good ground. We believe that we are good ground. There are multiple ways that you can give. You can give through Givelify, Pushpay, Tithely, or Text to Give. All of these are multiple ways that you can give into this ministry and helping us to reach uh, literally the world with the gospel. If you are an international partner, we ask that you would use PayPal. Um, if you are a national or one of our partners stateside, we ask that you would use one of the other um, platforms to give. Also, if you want to be a part of this ministry, we are going and growing. We are doing amazing things. Um, and I'm so excited. Somebody even said it earlier. They were like, I love Fellowship of Champions. Why? Because we are uh, people that really we believe that God has called us to do great things. And we're not going to just sit back and and. Um, and just kind of hope that it happens. We're going to be intentional about our life and living according to what God calls us to live, how he calls us to live. So if you want to be a partner today, go to www.focchurch.com. Scroll down to complete the partnership registration form. We don't assume that you go here or that you want to partner with us just because you show up. Sometimes we want to make it official. Why? We want to make sure that you're getting the mail outs. We want to make sure you're a part of our community online so that you can get encouraging news. We can pray for you. All of those things. We want to do that. And we want to make sure that you are um, availing yourself to everything that we have to offer. And we also want to make sure that you are here to support the ministry as well. It's it's a two-way thing. We say we're partners and not just members because it's not just you just come for the church to do things, but you also, we expect you to come and bring your talents, bring your gifts, bring the, your uh, service to the body of Christ as well. Amen. Amen. Is there um, anything else that I missed? I'm trying to think. Oh, the huddle. The huddle is coming up. The huddle is going to be Easter weekend, April the 9th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, it's I, I'm excited about the huddle. I'm excited about getting to worship our Lord and our Savior for our Resurrection Sunday. You don't want to miss that. Make your way to Arkansas um, to be there also, if you are have not registered, I don't think it's too late to register for Live Your Dreams. Live Your Dreams is going to be this weekend. You want to be in the place. We got some powerful, uh, dynamic speakers coming. We have Unika J, Crystal Robinson, of course, Pastor Sean, Pastor Edwin, and there is somebody else. Who is the other person? Who's the other speaker? My mind just went blank. Pastor D.D. Freeman. Yes, I don't know how I forgot that. Um, so you want to make sure that you are there. Um, why? Because we're going to be learning how to get clarity, um, examine our belief system. That belief system goes into what we talked about tonight. The stories we tell impact how we believe and how we show up. And we're going to talk about getting taking some, some action, some massive action so that we can see change in our lives. So if you have not registered for Live Your Dreams, it's not too late. Go ahead, register. We want to see you this weekend. We want to see you next weekend at the huddle. Love you all. God bless you. We pray that your life was blessed by the word and we will talk to you. What's today? Wednesday. So we'll see you Friday morning for Champion Circle.